Welcome back. Bailey and Harper, episode 52. We have returned and we are we're proactive today. This isn't after dark. This is pre-lunch, Bailey and Harper. And I'm so hungry that it actually ties into number 52. Episode 52, Bailey and Harper. You know how we start. The best to ever wear, number 52. Am I going first or are you going first this week? What you got? Me? You? What you got? Is my mic hot? I think your mic is always hot. Well, good. Good. What's up, brother? What you got? No, you're going to go first. I'm going first. Fine. All right, so I got a couple of these. Jamal Wilkes, the only number 52 in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he had uh, his, that number 52 retired by both your Los Angeles Lakers and UCLA. He was a three-time All-Star, a couple champs, championships, a couple chips, if you will. And Jamal Wilkes, number 52, is the guy for me this week. But I, I have to throw in a couple of uh, honorable mentions, if that's okay. Uh, let's Please go, do. we got to go Greg Oden. Because Greg Oden, <laughs> the, the career that never was, he wore 52 for the Portland Trailblazers. That's a great call. Where he should have been one of the all-time greats. However, he was not. So uh, those are mine. What you got? So immediately comes to mind, is like, all right, 52, it has to be a linebacker. I, was, right? I know where you're going. All right, so you do know, you think I, you I know. I think I know. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. I think it's one of two people. Okay. All right, so you have at it. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So immediately I think back, and because I grew up watching football and loving football, it's Pepper Johnson, the New York Giants. That is not what I Middle linebacker. Okay. All right. I like it. You know, I played a lot of Tecmo Bowl. Dude was a boss for a couple of years in video games, and I played with him. So Pepper Johnson immediately comes to mind. How about that? All right. So linebacker, yes. Then – who else? It's like, uh, so then I look it you up. You didn't go Ray Lewis? No, not a re immediately, no. Patrick 51-52s, like, Patrick Willis was big. Yep. Ray Lewis, of course, is so great. But also John Beeson is another guy. Because I, I, I'm, I'm friends with him, and I know him as 52. Somebody that just kind of recently in my head. So John Beeson would be another guy. So, John, you know this. And then I actually looked it up. Patrick Willis, I was like, damn, I forget. See, you I know. thought you were either going because Ray Patrick Lewis Wilson, or Patrick he was so good for me in college as well at with forty nine. Okay, really that sticks makes out to me because I, I thought, played against him a lot. And that's a for me. I don't always. I know he was great at fifty two, but he was also great at forty nine. So Pepper Johnson was not what I was expecting. I thought you'd either go Ray Lewis or Patrick Willis. That's where I thought you'd go. Possibly Jamal Wilkes being a Lakers guy, but either way, I like it. And that is how we start. I didn't even realize that that was the only fifty two in the Hall of Fame. Oh. <sighs> I didn't either until I read that caption. I didn't either. So <laughs> 52, that's the number. That's the episode. 52 weeks in a year. What were we doing a year ago today? And we haven't been here in a while either. Uh, it's just been like two weeks. I mean, yeah. look, we, we promise more consistency. And we have mostly delivered. But there will be some weeks still here or there because, again, we have lives. Yes. We do this because it's fun and because a lot of people like it. So uh, we'll keep doing it as long as that's the case. But 50, I was telling somebody the other day. It was actually my daughter's first birthday. I uh, got some friends leaving Charlotte that have been here for years. They're moving to Dallas. A uh, guy took a new job. And uh, we were just talking about how we met, CrossFit gym on the other side of town, you know, when we first got here several years ago. And I look up so often recently. And as I'm, you know, talking with friends about things that happened, what I think were, you know, two, maybe three years ago. No, it's like six, seven years ago mm -hmm. at this point now, because it feels like the last two years have largely just been either you know erased or fast forwarded for pretty much all of us because with the pandemic, none of us live normal lives. 
like in, in any sense. Things have started to get more normal. Yep. But for most of those two years, we were either inside, staying away from each other, masked up, you know, not doing any of the same things, working from home, not seeing friends and family, parents. And so, I mean, just I looked up and I'm talking with people routinely and it's like, yeah, you know, I think like two years ago, I'd, oh, that was 2018. Shit. Uh, yeah, like I think it was three years. Oh, that was 2015. Shit. So, I mean, that's kind of, I was just talking about that the other day. Um, the years are going by quickly. And that reminds me to let you know right now, my fucking back hurts. Why? I'm getting old. I, I did like the first old man injury, I think, of my this life. This is going completely left. This is well, not you where know I thought you were already because I called you right after I did it yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, you know, yesterday morning, my wife has the ultrasound appointment, 20 weeks. Baby boy is uh, you know, on the way, which, by the way. Congratulations again. Photos came out. Uh, my man's packing. Uh, wiener identified. Okay, it's there. But That's he good, man. That, these are good things. It's good things. And he also was like upside down tucked in a ball. And he kept doing like floops or flips and, you know, spins and shit like that. So he, he wouldn't stay still to get good pictures. But he was just in there rocking and rolling. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But yesterday, right, I, I take my daughter to meet my wife at the hospital. Wife leaves work. I'm at home in the mornings with the girl. So I meet her. Now, mind you, I don't have your fatherhood experience yet. Yesterday was the first time, the first time that my daughter and I ventured out together by ourselves with me. Really? Yeah. But like I put the, tr the car seat in the back of the truck. Like it was just me and her going out for the first time. So I'm a little bit nervous, right? Bear in mind, like not only did I not have sisters growing up and this is my first daughter, my first kid. This has been 12 months. I didn't even hold people's children until I, my brother had his like six, seven years ago. I was afraid of dropping other people's kids. So I have no experience overall, like long term with children. So I'm nervous yesterday, a little bit, but I killed it. I nailed it. We get to the hospital, though, and my daughter's a year old now, and she's, we're in a, she's in the car seat, and I have to park like 100 yards away. She's like 30 pounds now. So I got bags. I've got her in the car seat. These car seats are not, you know, it's awkward to carry a car seat with a one-year-old in it. So I start walking, and I take a bad step or something, and I jar something in my lower back. And it kind of hurt for a second when I did it, but I just kept walking. I was in a hurry, kept moving, didn't think much of it. As the day goes along, it hurts more and more to the point that last night I'm doing pre and post for the Hornets. I have to call out of the post game show last night because I'm laying down on the bed watching the Hornets game and I can't get comfortable. I just searing pain going up and down my leg and my back all from carrying a car seat and a couple of bags through a fucking airport parking lot yesterday. And I'm completely debilitated last night on the bed. I can't even get up and go back into the studio to do the Hornets post game show because I can't walk. So why are you carrying the car seat? I don't know. Because, again, I was like, I got out of the truck. I'm like, I made it. My, she's alive. We got here successfully. We're on time. I got all of her shit. I got to carry her. We got to go. We got the appointment. We got Baby Boy's ultrasound. And then I'm just like, fuck, my back hurts. And then it just keeps getting worse. And I got to call out of work. So uh, I'm getting old, man. <laughs> Kyle, I don't think that's you getting old. You don't think so? No. Why? That's you not practicing this. You got to continue That's true. To Work yourself. Should you have to practice carrying a, a one-year-old in a car seat over 100 yards, though? Is that something I should need to be practicing? The, it's the reason why you see strongman competitions. These guys are not, these guys are not young. I loved it. They're not young, Kyle. I love that point. I love that. These Some are guys don't old, even start grown men. Some guys don't even start competitively Thank powerlifting you. until they're like 40 years old. Men are able to maintain strength, Kyle. You must. Yep. If you practice these things. These men are carrying large weight for long yeah. periods of time. But so, Kyle. symmetrical lifts and shit, man. Like, you're not carrying a 100-pound. I'm not going to allow you to blame this on age, Kyle. I'm this blaming is it on you. my child. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 
Not that why I will accept. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. That. I but it will that. not be the car seat. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. So you must do these things. And look, you got to be able to, when you're traveling with family, yeah. look, I have four kids. You're, you're wise. We're making one trip. You're okay. We're not going back and forth. So you're Kyle, like the Gandalf of dads. That's what you are. You're the Gandalf of dads. No, I am the camel of dads. I am able to pack on, hold, get us going. You got to be able to carry it. You got to be the camel. Kyle, when you're the, when you're a father, sometimes, okay. Yeah, I don't you even must be a camel. Look, I don't even question your fatherly advice at this point. You got four, you've seen it all. I trust what you say is right. So. I'm really happy though that I'm kind of surprised. Is this the first time you and your daughter Sky have been together in the 12 months? Yeah, that you've been together. This is the first one-on-one episode. Yeah, like you never just go to Target together. You never mm-hmm. just. No, I'm good with it now though. Like I'm fine. We can go. We can just go kick it and do stuff now. But like the. First couple times, I'm like, man, what if? Like, what if, what if she shits herself in the grocery store? What do I do? Are you prepared? Do you have diapers? Well, my wife packed that bag, so, I mean, it was ready, right? That's why. So you didn't even pack the bag? It was mostly already packed, yeah. I didn't have to do much. I threw a <laughs> snack in there and some socks. That was about it. I didn't really do anything. Now, Kyle, huh. who's the snack for, you or her? Her. Her. I got confused, though, with the instructions. I thought my wife wanted me to pack me a snack at first, though. So I think I, you should. I did. I packed okay. both. I okay, got hers good. in there first, okay. but I got, the, I got the both snacks in there. All right, so let's get off the snacks and the dad <laughs> stuff real quick because, like, we're here early. I've got to – here literally in 30 minutes, I'm going to the office. Yes. Uh, i got a show coming up. i got Mac Brown. i got stuff I have to do today, too. i got North Carolina head football coach Mac Brown on the show today. I've got former North awesome. Carolina head basketball coach. Uh, what are you going to talk to Mac Brown about? Uh, Expectations much? on what do they do post-Sam Howell. They did – did he not? Did he or did he not recruit? I'm thinking Sam about Howell. coming out of the gates and just stunning Mac right, right, right off the top today. Like, so Mac, how much you paying these these recruits you're trying to get to North Carolina these days? You know, just to throw him off at first, just put him on oh. tilt. He's too. I can't. He's too nice. Mac's, well, Mac's too nice a guy. Did the uh, who's that? The Uyunglele kid? Do you see some or did I? Was that fake news? Wait a minute. Did you, what, what do you mean? I, I don't check some Twitter kids, anymore. Some I, kids. I, I I think some kids fight. I got to. I should fact check this before I say it. No, I'm look, I look, I look it up right now. Did a five-star kid, his father, like Big Mike Uyungle, say, I don't want, I messed, I butchered that last name. I no, think. actually, it wasn't bad. I've heard but, far worse. Um, said, we are going to the NIL deal that pays the most. Who said that? Whose father? Some, some kid. Well, oh. A defensive end. He's oh, a five-star oh, oh. defensive end. Oh, I mean, I don't even care who it is. I mean, he's right. Good for him. Go get paid. Go get paid. I mean, it's it, it, this is the system now. And until the, the powers that be and the people in charge. I just wish the NCAA would step in. They should. It's stupid. I don't know why they won't. So Dave Dorn and I talked about this two weeks ago. NCAA it's getting embarrassing at this point. Well, and that, well, it's embarrassing. But whose fault is it? It's the NCAA's fault. Yes, it is. Because they had years and years to have a plan in place for this. They, a year before this happened, they were like six months, I'm sorry, they were begging the Supreme Court for an injunction to do something. Help us. We, this, we can't, we've lost control. We, sorry. And then, then your solution is, is to get, you know, I guess pissed off, throw your hands up and say, well, never mind. Everything's, everything's on the table now. Everybody can do everything they want. Money, just go. Everything's changed now. With no plan, no guardrails, no rules, no structure. And that's all these coaches are begging for is, hey, tell us the rules. Tell us what the guardrails are, and we'll play within this system. And I, I think that's completely fair, right? Set a window. I don't care if you structure it like free agency. I don't care if you structure it like the European transfer window. open door. Right. You, but do something so Open that and close. Everybody knows 
what's going on. At the same time, everybody's on the same page, and all of this can work out just fine. Mm-hmm. But some people are reveling in the chaos, and a lot of it are people like the NCAA or those kinds of people saying, well, look, we told you, see, it's chaos now. It's a disaster. This is why we never wanted to change it. No, you created the worst possible environment for all of this, and now you're pointing at the house that you just set on fire and say, see, told you, somebody was going to set this thing on fire one day. Motherfucker, you did it. What do you mean? Like that, so, I mean, figure it out. That's Put some so guardrails in place. There's got to be some structure. I heard Colin Cowherd one day talking about this, and he said, you know, you got to have some rules. You got to have some structure. He goes, I, I can't go out and eat cake every day. I'll be 500 pounds, right? You know, you, you, we have speed limits for a reason. You can't get out on 277 here in Charlotte and drive 95 miles an hour to work every day because you'll kill somebody, right? There have to be some rules. It doesn't need to be overregulated. We don't need to go back to the archaic old way of doing things in the NCAA. But let's all agree on maybe just some general pathways that are reasonable and allowed and things that are not. Times that you can go, times that you can't so that everybody is just working in unison and this sport can you know, continue to thrive. But the sport needs to figure this out because the sport's got an attendance problem right now. I don't know if you saw that article the other day. Even your, even your mighty Alabama Crimson Tide are not immune to this. Uh, college football attendance is down. And it was down, I think, much bigger over like last year to this year because of the lingering pandemic issues. Uh, but it's still been an overall trend for years. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, to get more people into these stadiums. It's definitely hard to get them to stay. I remember when Nick Saban, was, Nick Saban was ranting about this, I want to say two or three years ago, when he was kind of going after the Alabama students and student section yes. and leaving during blowouts. And it's like, Nick, what do you expect them to do? They're 21. You're beating Savannah State like 1,000 to 10, and they don't have good Wi-Fi in this stadium. It's hot outside, and there's beer outside. They're going to go, right? So that's how this works. So as long as you all want to keep playing these pay games and you know slaughtering teams like that, well, you can't complain about it. And that applies to everybody. So, you know, I just I think Agreed. college football needs to, to get its act together. Greg Sankey and Jim Phillips need to stop playing some executive white-collar game of chicken, whatever the hell they're doing. We know the SEC and the Big Ten have more money than the rest of us. We're the poor people. They're the rich people right now. We get it. You have all the leverage. You have all the influence. But for the sport of college football to, to move forward in a healthy fashion, let's get this shit together, right? Because I, we all love college football too much to watch this thing just – you know, crumble because nobody's willing to get on the same page. At the end of the day, though, I think the, the amount of money that is at stake when it comes to the college football playoff is going to bring all these guys back to the table, right? It's kind of like the, the, the six mafia families. They're, you know, they're rivaling sometimes. You know, they don't always agree. Sometimes they even kill each other. But at the end of the day, if it's collectively lucrative, you know, and financially, uh, you know, good for everybody, they'll figure it out. I think they so. always do. Yep. Follow the money, right? And I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to liken college football to the mob, but, I mean, come on, let's be honest about it. I've told you before, Greg Sankey now runs a college football hedge fund, not a conference. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Texas and Oklahoma came. Come on. I'm not mad at you. I know. I it's know. true. It is true. It's true. It is true. So where do we want to go here? Because you and I have to make good use of this time. I, I, you, we can talk football all day, but let's get this in real quick. Because um, you and I have BBC World. This is the fir- I can guarantee you this is the first time that you and I are doing a, a show with BBC World News on in the True. background. But uh, Ukraine and Russia. I think people in the world, and I know people in the world, young people in this country especially, are learning more about Ukraine and Russia and the USSR and Crimea and <laughs> Vladimir Zelensky and Vladimir Putin and it, uh, more than they ever have. And this is having an impact on the entire world right now in yes. ways that were entirely predictable if you've been on the earth long enough to see some large-scale things. Like, but the, the day that Russia and, you know, invaded Ukraine, 
I was on the air and I said, I, I don't think a lot of young people out there truly comprehend how much this is going to impact our lives, mm -hmm. now, even on the other side of the world. And here we are. Look up two weeks later. Yes. Gas is four dollars and 19 cents a gallon right now. Mm -hmm. The price of raw materials has gone through the roof. Um, you know, we've stopped exporting or importing, in this case, oil from Russia. Most of the world has. Banks, credit card companies, social media companies have shut off operations in Russia. We're crippling their economy, but we're still feeling it, too. Gas yeah. is $4.19 a gallon. Everybody knew if you actually just listen and just pay attention to the, well, and I can't say everybody, but I, I think one great thing, Kyle, I was talking to um, my, my former accountant, his, um, his son, Phil the other day and it's really good when you actually have traveled or you've seen you've been to foreign countries and you see how they live it's totally yeah. different than and you know you appreciate some of the really beautiful things about travel it. is the best education there is yes he's in Belgium right now and so he's been in Belgium for like two or three weeks yep and seeing how he hasn't been he's been in Belgium since all this kicked off so I bet your refugees are coming into Belgium right now aren't they uh, I haven't read that. I, I'm just guessing. I don't. I don't even know. I don't. I don't think so. And a couple hundred thousand Ukrainian refugees have fled the country to other European countries to you know seek refuge during a war. Yes. So there are lots of European countries taking them in. But go ahead. Yes. But anyways, and so many people in America, we we have this sense of, well, how does it affect me? Right. Right. And that's. Our spoiledness, it's kind of sad at times oh, when yeah. we look at it because Absolutely. right now, one of my best friends, um, and when you get to travel, you see how people live. You see, you have a little <laughs> bit more empathy for others in like their struggles there. You go places, it's not as nice as America. Things are different, but it's not always better or worse. It's just different. It's how you grow up. It's how you're raised. And so often people in America, we only talk about, like I said, I was all about how's it affect me or... And most of us have never really traveled outside this country. The no. majority. Americans are some of the least traveled people on earth. Right. And I, I really started to understand that years ago. But when I took my first trip to South America for the World Cup back in 2014, yep, it's, yep. it's a trip I reference a lot. But it, it was it so much happened over the course of 10 days down there. I ended up spending most of my 10 days with five dudes from Australia who had you know, been saving up for two years to make this trip to the, the World Cup. Yep. And they, you know, the World Cup was in, <coughs> excuse me, I think a dozen different cities in Brazil. So I was primarily in, in Rio and Sao Paulo, but they went all over the place, right? They, they yeah. went to Brasilia, the capital. They went to Manaus, the Amazon city. They flew all over to catch these matches. And, you know, you, you, you realize, and I did then too, and it's just jarring to hear them talk about the fact that in Australia, it's a feder there's federally mandated five weeks of paid vacation for everybody in the country. Regardless mm -hmm. of where you work, who you work for. Five weeks, I believe, is, is what it is of, of federally mandated paid vacation. So, you know, these guys, they go, Australians well, travel. If you meet an Australian, my, my boy I was guarantee he, you they've been to at least 20 countries because Australians go everywhere. But Americans are some of the least traveled. <laughs> that's as a amazing. Result, unfortunately, I don't think I knew that, but you're probably right. I mean, it's, it's the truth. You know what? And it's also where, like, he, he talked about, he's in Belgium, my boy Phil. And, and he was talking to one of the young ladies there and, it's, he's like, dude, it's so different. He's coming from New York. He's traveling as he's a, he's still a college student. Um, so he's traveling his senior year, and he's doing it some, you know, some semester in Belgium, and it's really cool. And he's like, dude, there's no freaking hustle. There's no grind. Like, he's like, I'm used to New York, Roman, where it's like, right. He's like, I haven't seen anybody getting jaywalking, bro. Right. No, nobody's jaywalking. Nobody's in a fucking hurry. Yeah. He's like, he's like, there's, there's no. It's different. He's like, they don't. 
You know, and they also, the government will pay you, if you even if you don't work. And if you know how to manage your money, you can live just fine. Sure. You know, well, so it's like, it's you, a, you, he's like, it's like this. When's the last time you went to D.C.? I haven't been, I haven't been anywhere really if like that. If you think so about I, it, besides work, I really. But if you think about it, maybe this conversation will pop in your head the next time you're in D.C. Okay. In daylight and on a weekday. Look up and look at people, you know, in, in, in D.C. And you'll realize that everybody is making a beeline to somewhere. Everybody's in a fuck. Unless they're obviously a tourist, right? Going yeah, to DC. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's in a hurry and everybody is walking, talking and acting like they're the most important son of a bitch in Washington DC. Like <laughs> you couldn't be uh, you you couldn't be more right. The vibe in these countries is more Yeah. Different. In Brazil, they're known, they they they're talked about as being lazy by a lot of people, you know, elsewhere mm-hmm. in the world because Brazilians are never in a hurry, right? <laughs> and I've got friends that's like even met some American expats who've been living down there and they just say, "Look, you ha- it's a big adjustment at first. Because you can call a plumber on a Monday and say, hey, I've got a, uh, I've got a leak here, and i got a big problem. And they'll say, okay, we'll, we'll be there hopefully in a couple of hours. They'll show up in a couple of days. You know? and, and that's not at all uncommon. And they're not lazy. It's just culturally they're different. Right? And, and I love seeing that sort of thing. Now, I like living in America. I like the way we do things, too. But it's, it's interesting. So that would bother me so bad. To your original point, like, there's so much about what's going on but- over there that, that people here – aren't grasping so, or yes. didn't fully realize was going to impact. Kyle, do you know anybody that is Ukrainian? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. You have uh, unique, So do you? Go ahead. Please no, tell no, me. The, uh, the, the, so you know where I live. Uh, the, the preacher of the church next door. Uh-huh. His wife is Ukrainian. Oh, nice. And so you know, we, I met her a couple of years ago. Very nice woman. Um, I met a couple of Ukrainians on have campus. Have you spoken to her since all this has happened? Uh, I've not seen her, actually. No. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I'd love to, to find out what she thinks about this. But, I mean, to watch it and to see... Like there are a lot of Ukrainian Americans, and I've seen yes. some of the, you know, some of my sh- best. One of my best friends is married to a Ukrainian woman. She's from outside of Kiev. Really? Yes. And so they had bought tickets, and they were going to visit her family because they haven't seen their son, their son, and he's only one years old. He well, he's not even one, but he was going this year around his birthday, and then and now. Of course you can't. It's done. And they were leaving in the next two months to go over to visit. Yeah. That's like, and not only that, but her country will never be the same. No. And I've got a And pro- Russia, their, their troops have already passed by where her, her folks are from. Um, because, you know, they're on outskirts. They're like 40 minutes away. And so they've already kind of went past their, their township, whatever. But it's, I, I have no idea. This has got to be, she can't. It's very scary when you know people like that and you can share some of their real stories. And I'm like, we're talking about our gas prices. Right. And they're talking about lives. Right. We're talking about you know being, what I mean? We're talking about like, being discomfortable. Or right. Like, it, it, it's like a lot of people. We must show empathy at that point, man. I'm just like, it, it, it's crazy the things that we are... You know what I mean? I that we up, try and argue or people so I want to make a point about I opened up LinkedIn and yesterday. And I think that's the biggest. I'm sorry um, to find it. I opened up LinkedIn yesterday. And yes, there was Kyle. a post that I saw. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to trample all over you right there. but to, it's, No, you're good. It, there was someone. You were moved uh, by there, something. There was a post but about this. But it was, it was through a, a colleague of mine on, on LinkedIn, another colleague of theirs who was working in Ukraine, a Ukrainian woman. There was a post yesterday that mm-hmm. she and her two children were killed the day before um, by a missile. And, you know, they were, of course, mourning her loss. But that's the reality. And I've got, mm. and I think colleague's the right word. I've got another colleague who is on the ground in Kiev right now 
Um, and I, I, she and I shared, you know, a handful of press boxes and, and uh, courtside seats back in the day because she used to cover Virginia and Virginia Tech for the Washington Post. Then they brought her back to D.C. to cover the Washington Capitals and the NHL. But her heart was in politics and news. And so she went and became the foreign correspondent um, in Russia for the Washington Post. But then, as all this really started to boil, she moved to Kiev, and she's there right now. And she's on Twitter. Her name's Isabel Kershudian, and she was one of the first people that I saw that was really relaying the information in real time, live on the ground, the day of the invasion. And what's become really striking about all this to me, as someone who, admittedly, I, I don't work in foreign relations, I don't work for you know clandestine services like the CIA, so I, I have a limited knowledge, we all do, of what's going on. But the stories and reporting that's coming out about how the Russian troops have been propagandized by, by Putin and the Kremlin to the point that they believe that they're saving Ukraine, these, these Russian troops did or do, from a Nazi invasion. Um, there are reports that, uh, and the U.S. has intel, that the Russian army was told they were going on a training mission into Ukraine. <laughs> they were lied to. Uh, there are some captured Russian soldiers who have been put on Ukrainian TV, and I saw one of the generals two or three days ago. And, and look, he's a prisoner of war. You know, he can be coerced into saying things. So you got to yes, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, watching his mannerisms, I was really, you know, captivated by it. He said he was disgusted by the fact that they went to war there under false pretenses, as he said, and that they were lied to. This is a, this is a Russian, I believe, general um, that, that was saying this as he was a prisoner of war. So the, the extent of the truth, I don't know. Um, that, that's not my area of ex expertise. What I do know is, my, or what, I, what I wonder is, most of the people that I think you and I know and that I follow online and that I see talking about this are in support of Ukraine. thousand right? percent. It, and I'm not trying to make this political or even attack the right by saying this, but Tucker Carlson on his show, I think, less than two weeks ago, said he's rooting for Russia in this. Um, there are some far-right factions in America that are, 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 for some reason, rooting for Russia in all of this. Ukraine, while certainly imperfect as a nation— um, and thousand percent. Only been around thirty years now. Part of the reason for this, we're Russia, imperfect, of course, and we we've are. been around. Right. We we don't have <laughs> we don't hold the moral high ground. Okay? We, we can have that conversation. But like the one thing about Ukraine is going back to Crimea in two thousand fourteen and, and before that, they have progressively been becoming more and more Western as Westernized as a more democratic nation. Mm -hmm. They want to join NATO, right? They want to be part of the EU. And that's something that Vladimir Putin sees as an act of aggression, right? It's why he says if they join NATO, it's, it's an act of war. So Not on so only that. So, so my, last thing, my question uh -huh. for you is, and, and I, you had the floor, we as Americans and the, the West and, you know, all these civilized nations in Europe and part of NATO, are we going to defend democracy or not? Is that what we stand for or don't we? Because that's more or less what's under attack here in Ukraine. And I get it. They're not a NATO nation. Uh, and I understand that Putin has, has, has threatened nuclear war. You know, if anybody dares come in and try to fight this battle with Ukraine, but like the world's watching this happen right now and Ukraine's putting up a hell of a fight. But like my, my question is, do we stand in defense of democracy or don't we? And I don't mean just we as the United States, because I don't think there's any appetite for war in this country. We just got out of a 20 year engagement in Afghanistan. I don't think anybody in this country wants us to go Russian headfirst back into another war. Definitely not with Russia, because you can be sure that China's backing them in all this. But like, does the world stand for defending democracy anymore? Or is it just everybody for themselves? That's my question. Because this is not a fair fight by any stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. Sorry, that's my monologue. No, it's, it's not it's, a fair fight. It's not at all. And, and you're right. And, I, and we will continue to try and help. We've already helped. We will continue to help. And that's what we have to do because what you're talking about is true. It's not about the whole NATO thing. And it's 
my my problem because I'm kind of bouncing, bouncing, bouncing too. So let me just say this: the scariest part about it all, Kyle, is what is the end game? Okay, right. That what is the end game? I don't think Vladimir Putin has an end game. I would also like to say. I've talked to some of my Russian friends. I'm really good friends with a, um, a Russian family here in Charlotte. Talked to them, just told them I wanted to pray, about, pray for them. Like they were on my mind, because like everybody wants to hate Russia. This is not Russia. These are not Russian people's decision to go. They're like brothers. This is Putin and the Kremlin. This is, yes. This is one person woke up and, and, want, and wanted to make this happen. And this is what has happened and well, it's what strong for it's yes. what strong men and, do. And strong like, men surround themselves with loyalists who will yes. never tell them no, because strong men, dictators like him, are constantly in fear of being assassinated, of being usurped, of being replaced, because that's what happens in these kinds of systems. It's like organized fucking crime, mm-hmm. and so you know he's surrounded by loyalists, people that I'm sure feel the same way that he does about all of this. But you're right; it's not the Russian people as a whole are not in favor of this. Now, there are plenty that are painting Zs on their chests and, you know, putting them on their cars, and they believe that they're supporting something that's right and valiant and noble here, but, I mean, you have millions of Russians that have been protesting in the streets. Um, you got uh, Olympians that aren't allowed to play, that aren't allowed to compete. Uh, the soccer team, uh, you know, they're the Czechoslovakian team, Sweden team, they won't play the Russians. Yep. Uh, F1 is pulling out. Um, you know, so, so they are going to... It's so they're I, crippling their economy. Right? Yes, the they are. Yes, they crippling are. Their that is everybody has stepped up. I, I See, think one oligarch put out a, a hit on uh, offered, uh, you know, a bounty on Putin's head. One of the, the Russian oligarchs offered a bounty on Putin's <laughs> head to put a stop to this. So, yes, we all have these same opinions and yeah. feelings. And it's, it's really cool to actually see that in times of 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 of, of bad times like that kind of like brings everybody together in a sense. I'm really glad the way that the EU, the NATO, and you in the United States, which is part of NATO, well, we're in favor with NATO. Yeah, well, that, yeah. that that everybody's kind of come together and all everybody's pulled out. They're putting as much pressure as they can without trying to go out there and shoot missiles. We cannot cross that line either because they're not part of NATO. So what you must do is defend Poland. Like if you come one inch into Poland then that's on you. Right. And they're not even close. They're, my, my, my boy's wife, her brother is in Lviv. Right. He's fine. Okay. Which is on the, the west side of Ukraine. They're just now coming to the capital. So that's where they're headed to over in Kiev in the middle. Can't help but think the Ukrainians regret giving up their nuclear weapons about 25 years ago. And you're probably right. Can't help but wonder. If, and here's the thing. Like, and so I didn't even think about that. So I don't even know that much history about it. I haven't even looked that far. Like, I've been trying to learn, progressively learn more about it. But it's just crazy that all this nuclear weapons are like, this, the, like. That's game over. Yes. That's game. My, I, I was talking to this. My, my father-in-law and I were talking about this the other night with my wife. And. Um, you know, that's game over. And so when, when he threat and he's unstable, Putin's unstable. Yeah. I, I don't it know. Just like, well, like I asked, like my biggest thing, Kyle, is what is the end game? And I think the sanctions will hurt. In my honest to God opinion, I don't think this war can last. If, if, if Ukraine can hold up for 30 days, I don't think, I don't think Russia has enough. Well, the, fa- well, the fact that Zelensky's not dead yet should tell you something. And on top of that, you know, we, among other nations, we're feeding them weapons. 
thousand um, percent. And, and, and the uh, President Zelensky, I tell you what, for a guy who was, you know, he played, he got famous in Ukraine. I know because he was an actor. He was an actor who played the Ukrainian president in the show that he was on, and was a successful comedian, vaudeville comic, all those sorts of things. But played the the Ukrainian president in the show that he was on. And then became the Ukrainian president. And like this guy, he, I've developed, like a lot of people, so much respect for this guy. Because he would not be the first world leader in the middle of a war to take an escape route and get out. Because the Americans, we offered to get him out of there. And he famously now looked at him and said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Um, that makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Because these guys are not in a fair fight. And they're putting up a hell of a fight. But then you also got to be, we got to go back a little bit to in Ukraine's history as well in that. America helped overturn the Russian favorite government that was Ukraine. Sure. Well, I mean, the whole thing used to be the USSR, right? And yes. the Russians, they, they, a lot of Russians lay claim to Kiev because they believe it's more or less the origin of their civilization, uh, you know, as part of the Slavic nations. And I, I, I get some of it, but I can't, not being a Slavic or Russian or Ukrainian yeah. person, but I fully the, grasp it. But I, I, I get it to the extent that I know why there's a They're going to have their history, right? Of they're going to have their history. Now, let, the, let's, the, the, the thing that I've been so impressed with, Cal, is that, yes, the Ukrainians, it ain't like what happened in Afghanistan, where America says, you know what, we're about to get up out of here, okay? You guys play nice. And then it just went to hell in a haywire in less than 72 hours. It, Ukraine has stood up and fought for their country, and they are not going to stop fighting. These people. It's inspiring. It, it is inspiring to see. It is beautiful to watch. I, um, I, it, it's been amazing to see, and I'm very – it does make you feel proud of country for, for what they're standing up for, which is democracy. That this is what they choose to have, and the power of we – you know, when you come yeah. together and doing it for Have the right Have you seen reasons, these stories? So I, I can't wait to read about this after the fact, and that sounds morbid, but seriously, I mean, to, to read as more details come out about what's taking place and who's actually there, because it, it's not just the Ukrainians at this point. You know, there, there are no, um, you know, there's no official presence of the U.S. military or any NATO military there right now. But there are a lot of contractors over there. There are a lot. I mean, I don't know if you've seen these stories lately. A former no, US, I saw a lot of people going over there. Former U.S. military person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I who, saw a lot of people. I saw some. Uh, I saw some dudes from the U.K. Oh, I think we've got contractors. From, the, the, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think there are a lot of contractors going in, not in uniform, the back through the back door, and they're in there fighting right now. And, so you know, well, that's all they know how to do, Kyle. Well, right, and they're really fucking good at it. And they're really, and they're the best of the best. And I'm rooting for them. Yeah, and, man. And I, and, you know, Can you imagine? Because I listen to some. It's been really interesting listening to some of our our lieutenant star generals and people that are really high up in military. And when they talk on these news sectors, whether it's BBC or MSNBC, CNN or Fox, these guys are so intelligent and knowledgeable about fighting wars. It's just different. I don't know anything about well, no, it. I mean, you, you hear but the they're first. like, once you get inside the city of Kiev, it's going to be even worse because now, like, now you're talking about guerrilla warfare. Like, these guys know the land of the lair. Yeah. You're trying to come in there to them. They're going to be set up, waiting, running people certain ways. They've already got – you can't just, like, roll through the streets. It's already – Well, two It's things. been kind of interesting to see all this stuff. Two things real quick, and I want to talk some football before we get out of here. But, like, uh, to your point – you know, you, you hear the phrase, you know, fight for your life or they're fighting for their lives. Most of the time, it's not used literally. This is these people are fighting for their lives. They either win or there is no more Ukraine. Mm -hmm. and, and so then on top of that, you know, I laugh, for instance, I, I don't have any interest in TikTok. You know, I'm not on TikTok. In fact, mm -hmm. you know, I deleted all my social media off my phone. But 
I've always acknowledged that as, as toxic as the social media platforms have become in many ways, the reason that they are such an incredible innovation in, in human history is because of their ability to galvanize and mobilize people in efforts like this. There are people using TikTok videos to instruct other Ukrainians on, other side of the, on the other side of the country how to operate Russian military equipment, how to jump in <laughs> Russian tanks. Really? TikTok videos showing these Ukrainian fighters how to get in and operate Russian tanks to turn them back around on the Russians. It's incredible. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. So that's the power of social media. I'm going to leave that there real quick because— i got to look that up. You, you need to. Now, you and I have to talk about the trades that have gone down real quick or, and, and the moves and everything else. All right, go. Russell Wilson to Denver. Start with that. They gave up. They gave up. Denver did. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick. They gave up Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Noah Fant for Russell Wilson in a fourth-round draft pick. So I think Denver's going to be good. I've always thought Russ was one of the top three or five quarterbacks in the NFL. But he's in a division now with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a damn good quarterback, I think, anyway. And he might be the worst quarterback in that division. Like, that is an unbelievable quarterback roster in the AFC West. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing um, Russell throwing deep balls to down the field to with Jude. accuracy to Jerry Judy. And also, what's the other fast guy they got, too? Judy, Cortland uh, Sutton? Sutton, yeah, but no, it's another one, the one from Penn State. He's oh, really fast. Oh, um, uh, he's another guy. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, sorry, sorry, don't worry about it. So, I'm excited for it. I thought it was a win-win. If I'm Seattle, I'm making that trade. I get it. Especially Hamler? Huh? KJ, yes. 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 Okay. Hamlin. Um, if, I'm, if I'm Seattle, I'm, I'm, I'm making that trade. Russell already wanted to go. The team was starting over. Seattle's cool to rebuild. Um, they're going to continue to trust Pete Carroll to do it, and they just got a whole bunch of stuff for him. Did you see Sherm throwing shade at uh, Russ like a couple hours after the trade? No. Said, uh, you know, I think the phrase, whatever it is, you know, you live long enough to see something. About, what's the phrase that I think it's a Batman? Oh, yeah, you, you live, live long, long enough, enough to, to become you know, the villain. Yeah, to become the villain. Yeah, yeah you fight it so long or something right, like that. Exactly. So he threw it out there. And then I think Bobby Wagner, who got released, said something like Sherm was right all along or something like that. I mean, Russell Wilson, I don't know him. Um, you know, oddly enough, my brother took his roster spot with the Gastonia Grizzlies over here one summer back uh, a long time ago when Russ was still playing baseball. Uh, he's from Richmond. Uh, he's from Virginia like me. I've got friends that were with him at NC State. So I know people who know Russ, but I don't know Russ. And so I'm, I never talk about Russ like I do know him. Mm -hmm. But it's obvious that even some of his own teammates don't really care for the guy. They don't think <laughs> he's the most authentic person in the world and so on and so forth. So I'm not stunned that there are people in Seattle or that played with him in Seattle that really aren't sad to see him go. You know, I, I'm, you know, I don't think I'm shocked by that. No, you shouldn't be. Um, everybody knows it that, I mean, Sierra's way cooler. Mr. Unlimited. Oh, my God, that was so. Was the corniest thing I've ever it seen. It was one of the corniest. The corniest thing that anybody. I thought Jameis Winston was corny. He might be cornier. Oh, there's no question. He's <laughs> King Corn. No, Jameis is funny. And never tries to be. No. Oh, God. No, Jameis is the definition of unintentional comedy. That's yeah. what he is. He is the definition of unintentional comedy. Yes. What was he trying to say? Was he trying to say conundrum when he said condom I don't, a couple oh, of months ago? That, let's not go into Jameis. is hysterical. He's a free agent go that, ahead. Go right that ahead. is going to be maybe wanted by other teams just because <laughs> the, the quarterback market. Maybe. Um, all right. So – I, if I'm Seattle, I understand making the trade because you get a whole bunch. And why wouldn't you go for one of these young quarterbacks in this year's draft if you can? And yeah. they're going to be available. You're going to have the, the 
the capital to make a move if you want to. You know what I mean? And how far they let, already let Bobby Wagner go. So they're all definitely in a rebuild mode. So there's no hurry. They're already telling you right now, we're cool with rebuilding. That's where they were heading. Now, Denver on the other side, you give up a lot. I like the Noah Fant kid. But now you got a quarterback in Russ that, I mean, is he going to be able to win your championship? Because that's what you have to do. Well, I mean, that, they, that's what you did. They think they're you, getting their next Peyton Manning situation in Denver. How old is Russ? Well, yes, I was going to say, but it's not that. Because Russ, I still think if Russ wants to play six, seven more years, he's got that left in him. Uh, well, he's never taken a bad hit. So. Well, so that's what's got it. Now, Russ is really good. I think you'd agree with this. He's really good at always, you know, avoiding contact. Right, right, uh, right. But Russ also that. holds the ball. He doesn't throw the ball 30, out on He's time. 33. He'll be yeah. 30, yeah, oh, he's be, still very young. No, man. he can play another five, six years if he yeah. wants to. So, it'll be interesting to see, man. And hopefully, maybe he is that guy that, that takes him there. And good luck to it. I know the air is going to be really thin. He's going to be able to throw a ball 75 yards in the air easily. Well, and, I mean, and, and he already throws a great deep ball. So I, I, we, we can go more in depth on this. It's not football season, but let's hit a few more of these. Aaron Rodgers, four years, $200 million to Green Bay, highest paid player in NFL history. Uh, after all the drama, the soap opera, the Joe Rogan, Pat McAfee, breaking up with Shailene Woodley, all that bullshit, he's staying in Green Bay. After as so many of us thought was going to happen in the end. And it just – I, I'm salty about the way that sports media covers things anymore anyway because I feel like, you know, nationally anyway, no disrespect to the folks that cut your paycheck, but it's like always the NFL. All NFL all the time, unless there's a LeBron story or, you know, a good enough NBA story. They will talk and have for the last year and a half. They, they, they at the expense of actual games, great stories, they'll open up these morning talk shows, these morning ESPN shows with what Aaron Rodgers posted on Instagram last night or, you know, just more speculation. Will, it, will he go? Will he stay? Like this yesterday morning, you had Stephen A. and Chris Mad Dog Russo deb debating who's most to blame in the Aaron Rodgers situation. What do you Who mean? Who's blaming? Shit? He just signed an extension. Clearly, it's not that big a fucking deal up there. That they, they Stop. Talk to me about the lockout. To cover college basketball. Like ESPN not having the contract for college basketball's postseason has, I, I think, in unfortunately, a lot of ways, diminished the postseason for college basketball just in that they don't talk about the sport until it's tournament time. <laughs> and, but instead, we get, you know, round-the-clock coverage of Aaron Rodgers' Instagram post, right? Whether or not Tom Brady's coming out of retirement three days after he actually retired. So, anyway, like, I, I'm so sick of the Aaron Rodgers story. I'm so tired of the breathless – who cares what Aaron Rodgers thinks about fucking vaccines? Does anybody really care what Aaron Rodgers thinks about vaccines? I don't. Do you? No. I don't care at all. I mean, I, I don't care if he breaks up with Shailene Woodley or marries her three times. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I don't know. I just – I don't like the way some of this stuff is covered. Anyway, he's sticking around, and he just won the MVP. I think he's got to win – he's got to win another Super Bowl, doesn't he? I mean, because he's, he's out of the conversation of greatest of all time and so on and so on. Matt Stafford now has a better career postseason winning percentage than Aaron Rodgers, has the same number of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying Matt Stafford's as good as Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying there's no talk at all, nor should there be. Are you serious? Yeah. Matt Stafford only – what Matt Stafford ain't been there, but – In one postseason, Matt Stafford – Yeah, he won Matt, He grew a That's better postseason winning percentage all time than Aaron – now Aaron's played in several more postseason games yeah. than he has. Well, he's 3-1 and one now, I Who? guess. Stafford, Stafford no, right? No, he's 4-3. 4-3. He was 0-3 all time in the playoffs before he <laughs> started this year, and then he won four straight games this year. Yeah, and Rodgers has a losing record probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so – look, man, it, that's tough. It is crazy. I'm just glad it's over with, and I just – I feel exactly how you feel, Kyle. I could. I, I don't want to talk. I'm fine never talking about Aaron Rodgers. Stop. Look, I, he's well-spoken. He's he can he's be. real smart, all right, because he reads a lot. But, like, I'm fine. 
Like, I just hate that you had to pitch a fit and do all this whiny, whiny stuff. Right. And then just sign where you're at. Like, like you should have just, look like. At what he did a week and two weeks ago, that Instagram post in the middle of the night, thanking everybody for all the things in Green Bay and the, <laughs> in the NFL and Shailene Wood. It read like a goodbye letter, like he was leaving Green Bay, like he was retiring. And then what the fuck did he do? He signed a four-year, $200 million extension. And everybody fell for it, hook, line. Look at this Instagram post. What is Aaron going to do now? He's still going to sign to Green Bay because they offered him $200 million fucking dollars. So can we please start covering sports again? Yes. That's all I ask. Yes. Can we just I, cover sports I, again? I would, I'm glad. All right, can we never talk about that again? Yes, please. Thank Let's you. move on from that entirely. That's, that's really all I ask. Thank you. Me too. Um, so we got that. Carson Wentz in Washington now. I'm shocked that that's what Ron's doing. I, I really am. I, I'm really surprised that that's Ron for a guy who was brought into Washington to clean up the culture, right? Ron was brought in there to establish a culture, clean up the place, um, and he, they bring in a guy who was, you know, run out of Philly and who was bounced from Indy after a single season, not because he didn't play well enough, but he didn't toward down the stretch, but because he's a problem in the locker room. Carson Wentz was a problem in the locker room in Philly, and he, I mean, one year in Indianapolis, Bob Kravitz, who's covered the team up there for 50 years, mm -hmm. you know, that's an exaggeration, but like 30, you know, he reported it, somebody else reported it yesterday, that Carson Wentz, the reason they wanted him gone was because he's not a leader, he was creating problems in the locker room, he sulks, he doesn't want to be coached, why is Ron doing that? I don't know, man. Well, of Ron, of all people. Like, I mean. And not only that, but if you look at the numbers, you really, you didn't get that. The numbers weren't that much better either. He Turnovers. got off to a really, he Carson Wentz did. No, yeah, I know, but I'm talking about compared to Tyler Heineke last year. Heineke threw more interceptions, of yeah. course. But other than that, though, but he, Heineke also didn't have Jonathan Taylor to hand the ball off to. No. So. No. But, well, exactly, right? Exactly. So that helps. That it does that helps help. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't know what Ron's doing. If I'm if I'm the Redskins, I definitely would have just Commanders, sir. Commanders. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the Commanders. First Commanders quarterback in team history, Carson Wentz. <laughs> Commander Carson. I'm still drafting a quarterback in the first round. That's what we talked about yesterday. They There's still could. no question. They still could. You you still draft your quarterback. Like you cannot depend on this. This is not your answer. So is he a fixed gap? Yes, because my defense is ready to win now. I just need to be competitive. I don't want to have to depend on it. It gives me more leverage that a first-rounder just, you know, nowadays it doesn't cost you, you know, it doesn't hurt you as much, and it's a backstop. So if you miss in a first-round quarterback, it costs your organization four or five years, okay? And then if you get it right, then you're good. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Look at the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. All right, they Ooh, missed. Speaking of the Steelers, let me ask you this. Uh -huh. So Deshaun, I mean, they miss, sorry, Deshaun Watson's going to find out tomorrow whether or not he gets indicted by a grand jury. Uh, Deshaun Watson is at the same time this week. Uh, he was, I think he pled the fifth yesterday in the civil case, the civil litigation hearings, uh, because as his attorney put it, and I, and I get it, um, you know, they were trying to push off one or the other as opposed to having both the civil and the grand jury criminal side of it in the same week. Mm -hmm. And his attorney said, well, yeah, of course I'm having him plead the fifth in the civil case because there's still the issue of a criminal indictment potentially. So why would I have no, no attorney would do that. So I get that. Mm -hmm. um, but I talked to a guy named Dan Lust yesterday and I'm getting back to Pittsburgh on this. Um, Dan Lust is a sports attorney, legal analyst, has a great podcast with Daniel Wallach. And he got, he got on my show yesterday and he said, I, I think he will be indicted tomorrow by a grand jury. Mm -hmm. um, he said, I'm not guaranteeing that he even goes to trial much 
much less gets convicted. He said, but there's an old saying among attorneys that a grand jury could indict a ham sandwich because it's a one-sided affair. The prosecutor yeah. gets to pick out the best evidence, and, right, right. You know, and there's nobody testifying. So it's very one-sided. Right, right. And so he thinks that there will be an indictment tomorrow in Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. It's not going to be any brand new news. Well, eh, I mean, the thing is, there's been this ongoing cr criminal investigation for a year. Oh, my gosh, you yeah. Don't, you, don't, you don't investigate criminally for a year. To just stop and say, well, never mind, there's nothing. Right. So there's a strong belief that an indictment comes down tomorrow. And if that's the case, who the, who's trading for him? It, you know, if he's under indictment. Nobody. Possibly, nobody is. I say that to say yesterday, Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network jumped on the, the morning show, whatever, like the Good Morning Football, I think it was, and said, hey, Deshaun Watson trade stuff heating up. The, the, his value is holding strong. You know, the Texans want what they want. Uh, the Panthers are still right there in the mix, maybe top of the list to land him. Seahawks are in it. Bucks are in it. So on and so forth. And so I start talking about this and how can you do this? How can you make this trade, especially if he gets indicted? So on and so forth. But even but if he doesn't, even if he even if he resolves the civil and he doesn't go to trial and they you know, all this goes away, the stain of this will never leave Deshaun Watson. And, and some people will be able to support him. Some people won't care. Some people will forget. But a lot of people will always see him this way, rightly or, or you know, or unfairly. Mm -hmm. And so the owner here in Carolina, as you know, David Tepper, uh, was a Pittsburgh guy, born and raised, went to Carnegie Mellon, uh, they went to Pittsburgh, and was a minority owner in the Pittsburgh Steelers. He watched firsthand Ben Roethlisberger go through what he went through with yep. the sexual assault allegations, yep. uh, never convicted, but still a 10-game suspension by the NFL. Mm -hmm. And he watched, basically, as Ben came in, came back, and more or less rehabbed his image and went on to you know what is going to be a Hall of Fame career when that time comes. There are still a lot of people who hate Ben Roethlisberger, and there will always be the, and I hate to say this, but the Raplessberger jokes and those sorts of things. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there that night. That pretty much is my stance all the time, right? You and I both know better at this point than to assume we know things that we don't. But I do have an issue with it right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's unfair to Deshaun Watson because I want to be fair to Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I want to know the truth. But it is very unsettling for me, both as someone who covers this team, talks about this team every day, but roots for this team, right? I, I want that Correct. team to win shouldn't we care a little bit? I mean, I, I think we should care. I think we okay. should care. All right. And I, I think every organization should care. I, I think those things matter. Perception matters, especially for your quarterback. He's the face of your organization. Right. And this is not just a situation. The thing that sucks is that no matter what happens, all right, and, well, it does matter what happens. Let me take that back. If Deshaun is indicted, I don't think – Anybody should be shocked. It doesn't mean he's guilty. Right. Now, I think guilty versus indictment. I mean, I, I like you said too, Kyle, you don't just – or maybe he's not. You know I mean, if he's not, then that would be really big news as well. Sure, then I think it's open way. market. Yeah. All, if right. that doesn't happen, boom. You, if you can, open you market. can resolve the, litig the civil litigation. Yeah. And somebody's going to trade for him. thousand percent. Going, it's going to happen. thousand percent. But if he is, then yes, you do have to hit brakes and you got to figure it out. You just got to continue to put it on ice just like everybody else is. Um, it, it's just crazy that <laughs> he has um, – this is going on this long and it has stretched on. The NFL hasn't done anything. It's really been kind of crazy to watch, Kyle. This is the first time I've seen anything like this, so it's really hard for me to even put into words like – what is going to happen because we do not know. Right, we, we don't know. And, and that's where, again... <laughs> and and I, when people get so opinionated about, oh, he's this... They want him to be guilty before any... Like, absolutely. we don't even know 
And Anything. part of it's the, we just all the, assume yes, we know. Hundred percent. Part of it's we the just human assume condition. we know. Part of this is the human condition too, for me, where it's like the only Deshaun Watson I've ever known was the All American boy next door, right? Mm-hmm. The the kid who loved his mama, got a you know full ride to Clemson, took him to, to unknown heights, won national championships, had a great reputation, went to Houston, mm-hmm. um, you know during the pandemic, paid for the construction workers, the cafeteria workers, the janitors, you know, helped to float them financially when they weren't playing football at a time when the organization wouldn't do like that. That was the Deshaun Watson that I and most people knew. And so when all this went down and the weeks after I kept saying, this is either, you know, one of the most brutal character assassinations we've ever seen, you know, someone setting Deshaun Watson up, you know, you know, lying about this framing him, whatever the case, it's either that, or this is a guy who has been covertly and, you know, um, really successfully living a you know pretty <laughs> undercover life yeah for as sure a serial sexual assaulter and you know weirdo yeah it's really big uh so which one polar is it? sides that's it's one of the other here like i mean and, and some guy last night and this will hit you too i mean i know you're a huge kobe bryant fan but some guy yesterday told me that 90 percent of the people who say that this is a moral dilemma for them are the same people that will uh support kobe bryant even though he raped a woman in colorado and uh, you know, his fans center. De- Here it was. 90% of those fans claiming moral compass are probably Kobe fans. Kobe actually raped a girl, not expected a happy ending from females advertising their services on Instagram. His fans sent death threats to victims and family to call the case off. Uh, E1 honors Kobe. First of all, Deshaun Watson's accusers have received death threats. Um, that's well mm-hmm. documented at this point. Uh, second of all, to make it seem like he just asked for, you know, just playfully asked for happy endings from some Instagram models. That, that's not what this was. The accusations are that he was harassing them offline and in person and, you know, all those sorts of things, too. And even if they were on Instagram, who gives a shit? Lots of people do business on social media. That's how business gets done today. True. And lastly, but as far as the, the, the justice system is concerned, Kobe didn't rape anybody. Right. And so I only point that out to say, like your stance and my stance, I go by what the law says, you know, what the what the court tells us and what we do and don't know. And the fact that I wasn't there and there was one accuser in Colorado. It was a case that, you know, they didn't see fit to be tried for the reasons that we don't have to get into. And whether or not Kobe Bryant did something worth that sort of, um, you know, discussion is, I think, immaterial to Deshaun Watson, who is accused by 22 women and then probably another 20 or so who aren't filing cases but have testified to journalists and such that they had similar experiences with right. Deshaun Watson. It was, like, it was like it was definitely out of the ordinary behavior. Right. Why do you need 50 to 60 <laughs> massage therapists? Very much so. Out of care. Like most people be like, dude, I don't. You're a very wealthy man. I mean, you yes. could hire two or three to keep on staff and travel with you if you wanted to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, 50 to 60 is what it like. And let's just go conservatively. 40s. Like, yeah. in the 40s. And so, come on, man. Like, I'm all for second chances, you know, waiting me to too. find out the truth, hearing both sides of the story, all those sorts of things. But you can't tell me that there's not a lot of circumstantial evidence right now pointing to Deshaun Watson being a little bit of a creep. I mean, I will not deny that. Yes. You're not calling him that. No. You're not, you're not saying he's guilty. No. Neither am I. And we're yeah. acknowledging he deserves his day in court and for all the, the evidence. The, uh, mo- having 20-something, 30 massage different massage people is a little different i i don't know anybody you that just would hire that. one or two yeah to, to, to most guys your, just hire just like one hire or two, one yeah. or two to keep on staff and you might even rotate through them five like that's the thousand percent that's the that's the norm common sense tells you there's something a little bit off here i'm just telling you the norm common sense tells you there's something a little bit off here last thing we got to run i gotta get to work um so last night Lamelo ball said uh, after the hornets lost their 13th in the past 17 games that embarrassing he was, that he was quote unquote pretty much letting people get into his head 
Um, Terry Rozier, who's played up until last night, had been playing his ass off for about the last dozen games, said um, you know a couple nights ago that teams have been playing Lamelo differently. They're trying to help him adjust to that. Lamelo's had some pretty off nights. But then on top of it, Terry said two nights ago he just really wished that some of his teammates knew how special the playoffs were, um, you know, what that meant. So, like, you brought up James Borrego to me, and I can't believe I'm talking about this because I had to do this shit in, like, three hours. But, um, you know, I, James Borrego might be fired at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They may just make a change because of the way this, this season slipped away, too. They might not. LaMelo is special. He's a rookie of the year, first-time NBA All-Star. We all know it. But you know as well as anybody, having entered the NFL in your early 20s, you don't become great overnight. No, it's really tough. You don't become dominant overnight. And he's real young. so He's seeing some things for the first time. Yeah, yeah, man. You have to learn how to make adjustments at that level for the first time. Yes. Right? Yes. And I I think that – You got to learn how to evolve. And he's going to do it. You must evolve. I believe he'll do it. And I think he is in some ways already doing it, but like – he's killed them at times recently. I mean, I, th- I forget. I, mean, I think he finished the night last night with six or seven turnovers. His turnovers, his foul situation lately has been abysmal. Um, you know, they've – if you go back to the games before the All-Star break, you had both Montrez Harrell and Miles Bridges miss free throws with seconds left that would have won the game, right? Yeah. Uh, then the game after that, I believe, after the break, you had uh, LaMelo against Detroit maybe miss a bunny, you know, a, a layup, open layup late in the game that, that would have won it. So, like – James Borrego has made mistakes. All coaches make mistakes. He's not immune mm-hmm. to that. And I don't think I've ever tried and to been hurt. prop him up as a Hall of Fame head coach. And they've been hurt. Like people, Some people still scoff at the idea that Gordon Hayward's injury should be this big a deal. Well, I think clearly it is, and it has been. But like, it just thinks that, you know, you have, that's a player you have to count on. Yeah, And absolutely. he's hurt every year. Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's tough. And, and like I'm watching, you got. And it's these, not just like four games. I called them Moonbat Lamelo groupies the other day on, on on the show, and they got really mad when I said that. Which what made, does which that made, mean? They're just these Lamelo stands, these these lunatics that don't even know what the, where the phrase "stand" comes from. They probably haven't even ever heard Eminem's "stand" to understand <laughs> where the fucking phrase comes or where the name comes from. They don't even fucking know. Like, so these lunatic, these zealots that think Lamelo is already an NBA superstar, you know, <laughs> capable of carrying a team single-handedly to the title, and that James Borrego's been holding him back this entire time. Um, you know, and, and they're just they, I, I, not all of them. I attack all of them, and I talk shit to all of them because it's fun for me at this point. It's just sport, but you know, they're not all bad. But there's a lot of them that are just clueless. But Lamelo has been a real problem lately, even with some of the numbers that he's put up because they haven't been efficient and he's been careless and, and the turnovers have led to you know live ball points off those turnovers and it's just he's got to grow some, <laughs> he's got to grow some. But like they have bottomed out again for the second straight year down the stretch, yes. and it, it still might cost James Borrego his job. Yes, it could. And, and, like I said earlier, Kyle, it, for me you have to be able to turn it on down. You got to be able to win. This is like playoff time. Yeah, it's crunch time. For us in football, it's November, December. Nobody talks about the great teams in September. You always talk about the great teams that, are, that start to separate themselves in November and December. Yep. That's playoff time. That's when you turn up the veterans. Not they turn time, up. Baby. That's why the veterans, they just run around the first part of the season. And then the, down the playoff stretch, they all start to pick it up a little bit. So it, it's like I said earlier, Kyle, my, my dad, right, when next you know we got to like – Seventh, eighth grade, my he comes to my mom. He's like, "Look, babe, you've done a great job, right, of raising these young boys, but now it's my turn to take over and take them from from boys to men, 
All right, and that is what this Hornets teams need. They need somebody that's going to push them to that next level. I, when you say boys got, to men, I almost started singing "Mama." I uh, refrained. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There it is. I almost it, started. It would have been appropriate though. It would have. You're right. But to hear and to 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 see that because they got some evolving players. Yep, they do. They have some players that are continuing to Future's evolve and get better. The yeah, future's still bright. But can it, Brago, man? I've just I've been disappointed with how this team has played. And it's not all been And on it's him. like you said that when I walked in, that was the first words out of your mouth. Like, this cannot be. How often do we hear people say, and I, I've said this so many times in the last two or three weeks, oh, the NBA is a player's league. It's a player's league. It's all about the players. But how funny is it every time something goes wrong, it's the coach's fault? How can it only be a player's league when things go wrong? And well? I don't even know what coach you can go get to go make him better. So you may have to just, like, I don't know basketball well enough to say that. Well, somebody told me yesterday they shouldn't even be a hint of firing James Borrego until Mitch, Mitch Kupchak finally gives the man a center. Um, because he, he's never, he's openly asked. James Borrego has politely, but openly through the media at times, basically begged for some help with the five. Yeah. And, and when they traded for Mason Plumley on draft night, the first words out of my mouth were, it's a good deal if he's your backup center. Well, he was their starting center for the majority of the year. Uh, it wasn't good enough. And the only the, time he wasn't starter is when he was Yeah, um, and I like Mace. Hurt. If Mason's playing 15 to 20 minutes off the bench, you know, let's just say 15 minutes off the bench, cool. I like that. Oh, he's a great. I, I'll take Mason as my backup center He's all effective, day. but he's, I mean. But you got to go find me a DeAndre Ayton first. I mean, that, that needs to be my guy. I mean, and DeAndre Ayton's fantastic. I mean, yeah, right. I was like, you got to go get to the top know, But you get my point. you got to go find one of those guys because, when you know, lately they can't get a defensive rebound when they need one. That, you know, there's nobody around the rim to protect him and block shots. Montrez Harrell's a great player, but he doesn't give you that. No, uh, he's not a rim protector at all. a little strong, but, I mean, he's, he's a great rebounder. He's uh, not a rim protector, though. He, he's a guy that's going to give you a lot of interior offense, post offense, putbacks, you know, hum, or humps, <laughs> hooks, uh, you know, jump shots inside 18 feet. Like, he can do those things. He's a gr- I love the Montrez Harrell pickup, but they still didn't address – the rim protector part of it. And no. they've, they've got to do that this offseason. But, look, i got to run. i got to do this entire conversation all, right, all over again here in a few minutes. Uh, we got a big one coming up on Tuesday. I'm about, to go, I'm about to go get to the barbershop. I wish that I had done that. Um, I tried to make time this morning, but I couldn't. So we got a big one coming up on Tuesday. In fact, we're going to have two episodes inside of a week. Let's uh, get this it. This is Thursday. Uh, this will be up soon. But uh, on Tuesday, we have the great Wes Durham, the, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons. The voice and face of the ACC Network and uh, one half of Packer and Durham, their morning we, show. Can we go in about Calvin Ridley? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Well, I got to run about West first. There's people, right? We gotta get that's, that's what I'm saying. If he hears this, he's either laughing or sneering at me right now. But like, <laughs> no, we're going to have Wes on coming up on Tuesday. We've been looking forward to this. In fact, we got some great people coming through uh, on the podcast here over the next couple of weeks. Now that uh, the world is open, the local mask mandate has been lifted, and we can live life again. But until then, we'll talk to you next time. Episode 53 featuring the great Wes Durham coming up just days from now. Until then, for Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. 